0: It's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar Program. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Here your Bible, please, the book of John. The book of John. The 16th chapter... But I want to refer you to two other passages in the two preceding chapters. Chapter 14 and verse 25. These things. 1425. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I send you a comforter. And he's the Holy Ghost. Did you know there's only one comforter in the world? Did you know that a lost man that gets in sorrow has no comforter? Do you realize that you have no comfort to offer offer a sorrowing world unless you have the comforter? Because he said he is the comforter. But the comforter, not a comforter. He is the comforter. Then he said, by peace, I leave with you and I give to you. Now turn to the 15th chapter, the next chapter, please. Verse 4, verse 3. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. That's God's cleanser. That's his hyssop. He said, purge me with hyssop. and I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. There is no cleansing apart from the Word. The man who leaves out the Word leaves out the cleansing. Verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The secret of answered prayer is abiding in him and letting his words abide in you. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now then, you want to know where love comes from? Read it again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There is no real love apart from the Word of God. Everything's to be measured by the Word. We've got a loose love running around today. They announce these little love ends, and uh, sort of a cheap, sort of lustful, worldly, uh, infatuated uh, sort of a love, but that's not what he's talking about. If you abide, if you, if you keep my commandments, you're going to abide in my love. That means you'll live. You won't just visit, but you'll live in my love. Chains of love. Pull me down. And he said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. That's the way you get your prayers answered. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full are you listening joy comes through the word everything we've got comes through the word everything you girls have been looking for new boys and men and women you've been looking through the years and you couldn't find it it comes through the word it didn't come through the newspaper the television set the rock and roll record player and all that kind of junk. doesn't come through that it comes through the word you wonder why the world's so sad tonight and why there's so many suicides they don't have the book Everything must have the foundation of of the word, the word. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that you might, that my joy might remain in you. God's joy comes through the words of Jesus and that your joy might be full. You'll never have fullness of joy until you have his joy because he had all joy. He said, all power is given unto me. You'll never have his power and the power that you need until you have the power that he's talking because he said all power. These lights wouldn't burn. I stood on, at the airport and watched the jets take off, some of them while we were waiting at the airport today. A lot of power, a lot of thrust. You think of the tons and tons and tons of weight. And yet, just some round holes just like that. And all that power is coming. I'll be back tomorrow in the community where I was born. And raised. We used to think that two big mules weighed 1,450 pounds apiece had a mighty lot of power. We marveled at the loads they could pull, two horsepower. And then when we got to hooking four up in the breast, or maybe two in the lead and two, what we call wheel horses, and four of them got to pull it together, my, what a load they could. And now then, you think of the airplanes that go through the air carrying more uh, than a thousand horses could think about pulling power, and yet all that power belongs to God. That's when I don't understand why they can be so wicked on an airplane when it's so dangerous up there, smoking cigarettes, drinking liquor, living like the devil, playing cards, and nobody reading the Bible. Nobody. But we've forgotten the Lord. And the state's getting pretty disgusted with fellows like me because I don't believe in signing our children over to them. I didn't. They's the ones started. I didn't. As long as the schools were getting along fine, had Christian school teachers and they're honest and upright and lived clean and pure, didn't smoke cigarettes and drink beer and liquor and, and uh, didn't uh, kick God out and the Bible out. I mean, I was getting along nicely with them. But they're the ones that asked for the trouble. They're the ones that took the first step and said to God, we won't need you anymore. You bow off the stage of action, please. They looked at the old book called the Bible and said, we won't need you anymore. We've got a new way of teaching now. We've got new methods and a new message. And uh, so, old book, you belong with all the rest of the fossils of the ages past and We won't need you anymore. And now then, what's happened to the school system? The teachers are on strike, and the children are striking the teachers, and there's bloodshed on the campus, and the school ground has been the place of dope addiction, suicide, and immorality, and rock and roll, and dancing, and all the rest of it. So why do they expect us to turn our children over to such a heathen (laughs) school system? And if they don't like what I'm saying, let them change it, or come get me. There's not going to be much place for a Christian left in this world between now and the time that our Savior gets back. And we're going to become first-class nuisances and troublemakers. Why? Not because we're all that hard to get along with, but because the world's so far away from God, and we're going to have to collide with them. And I'm on a collision course every day of my life with the world. And there's no other way out. You know, I was thinking of the other day. I believe that after, at least it ought to be so, whether it's so or not, that I'm easier to get along with. I'm more gentle. I love more people. Not me now. It's Jesus. You know that. Nothing good in me. Nothing good in you either. And yet, the world is giving me a rougher time today than ever before. The work we're doing is so misunderstood. The rules, the regulations, nothing but just Bible standards. And yet the world uh, would have a head-on collision, but they can't explain the good that's being done, the changes that are being made in the lives of these girls and boys and men and women. This week, I saw 11 big old strapping criminalistic uh, rebels walk off in the intercoastal and stand there as humble as little kittens and as grateful as um, they could be. And I baptized 11 of them. Now, something had to happen to those boys before they got to the place. Now, I didn't ask to to baptize them. They asked me if I'd baptize them. They were asking for baptism because they'd professed their faith in Christ and sought to follow Him. There's been a change take place in their lives. You don't have one problem tonight that the Lord cannot solve. One question that he cannot answer. One burden that he cannot lift. But the question is, why do you want to carry the burdens when he wants to carry them for you? Why do you want to lift the load when it's already been... Why do you want to live with your sin when Jesus has already made provisions to get rid of it? The wages of sin is death. Tonight the Lord willing, about midnight, maybe one, twelve thirty, I may walk into the home of the first convert of my ministry and spend the night. And I'll tell you, you know uh, that before these eyes close for the night's rest, there'll be a lot of sweet memories sweep through my mind. I mean, I'll see those old hoes and cultivators, and I'll hear the rattle of the harness, the lowing of the old cow, and the little calf begging for its mama in the afternoon. I'll hear the old red rooster crow tonight. And uh, more than that, I'll see a little country church where Jesus laid his gentle hand on my sinful shoulder and said, son, it's time for you to come home. And I'll feel the tug of his Holy Spirit once again, when he said, I'm calling you into my ministry. The world has no place for you. There's no demand for a little fellow like you. is ignorant, unlearned, and everything else. But I've got a place for you. And that's 38 years ago. That Sunday morning, when this old country boy came trembling down the aisle and gave his heart to Christ. And tonight... After 38 years, that boy has never wavered. He's walked right straight down the road of Christian living. Talk about a changed boy and a wonderful man, one of the greatest Christian citizens of Navarro County. You know what made it? Jesus made it. And that's the answer. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he was lost. He wasn't a dope addict, but he was lost. He was a good boy, so far as the community was concerned, but he was lost. And he came down the aisle that Sunday morning and said, Lester, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. And ever since that time, I talked to his grown daughter while I go on the phone. Ah, uh, she said, listen, we'll have a place for you tonight when you get here. And we'll be waiting at the airport tonight. You know, doesn't Christ make a wonderful difference? And he made a tremendous change in your life? Hadn't he been a blessing? I mean, can you imagine... Being as much peace and joy in this building. Only Christ could make the change. Alcoholics, yonder the sit back yonder, that have been converted and serving the Lord, converts of Christ, what a difference it makes when you come to Christ. Well, he's talking about that in this uh, John, the book of John, but we haven't gotten to the text yet. Let's go to the 14th verse. We better stop at the 13th. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever, I command you. Would you classify as a friend? You're my friends, if you do whatsoever, I command you. Verse 17, these things I command you, that you do what? That you love one another. Now, I cannot command you to love one another, but he can. You know why? Because there's a difference between his word and my word. Now, I never had seen it just like that, but he said... I command you to love one another. Now, where does love come from? It comes from the command. It comes from the word. So he has a right to say, I'm telling you now to love one another, and then he gives us the love to love with. Now, chapter 16 is the chapter we want to take tonight for our message. These things, we're back on these things. Already we've pointed out uh, two different statements where he said these things Have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you? These things I command you that you love one another. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Now, why do people get their feelings hurt? Why are people always pouting? Why are people getting offended? I mean, why do you have hard feelings? Why do you every once in a while say, well, I, I just don't like her? Maybe she's the very one that needs to be loved, needs to be helped. You know who the person is that needs to be loved more than anybody else? It's the one that's so hard to get along with. With well-doing put to silence, ignorance of foolish men. And so tonight, uh, why couldn't Jesus loved you when you was hard to get along with? All of us have been hard to get along with when we were unsaved. Have you noticed such a tremendous change? I got a call last night from a girl and from the parents and some folks. And they said, there's sure been a change made. There's really been a change made in the life of somebody. And they were so wicked and hard to get along with when they came in here. But Jesus has made a difference in their life. Now then, verse 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things, again, there they are. Have I told you that when the, thing, when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. None of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I've said these things unto you, sorrow filled your heart. Now we're coming to the text. The next few verses will be the preaching ground. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now that's a mystery verse, isn't it? Unless the Lord tells us what he means. He said, it's expedient that I go away because I'm going to send somebody that can do a better job than I can do. Now, he didn't put it just like that. And it doesn't mean that Jesus hadn't gotten the job done. Jesus had so much to do, and his ministry was closed. He came to die, not to live. He came to die. He was virgin-born, lived without sin, died the atoning death, and rose again. Now, he said it's expedient that I go away, because if I go not away, the, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go away, I'm going to send you another Comforter. Now, what would make the difference? Had you rather have, had you rather have Jesus walk in here tonight to have the Holy Spirit? Now, we're getting at the truth. He said, "It's expedient that I go away, because if I go not away, the, the Spirit will not, the, the Comforter will not come. But when I go away, I'm going to send him. I'm going to send him." Now then, Jesus had a body, like unto ours, except without sin. Therefore, he was limited with a human frame born of a virgin, but he can only be in one place at one time. Now, when he left, he took his place in his intercessory office. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in every one of us at the same time, and in every church, and every preacher, and every Christian, and the Holy Spirit's there all the time. And the Holy Spirit can come into your life and reside and preside, and not just be resident, but be president. He'll be the ruler of your life. The Holy Spirit comes. Now then, He's the one that brings love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, forbearance. Now, that's what all of us need, isn't it? Patience. The Holy Spirit gives all of that. You know, I want to preach maybe tomorrow night on one of the most necessary things in a Christian's life, and so few people have it. And I'm going to... Ask a question, how can you tell a real Christian when you meet him? Where should a man's Christianity start? Would it be at the church house? Would it be in the prayer meeting? Would it be as he walks into heaven? How can you tell a real Christian when you meet one? There are some words and some characteristics of a Christian that you and I need every day of our life. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's see what the Holy Spirit's going to do for us when he comes. He said, If I don't go away, though, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, that's my text tonight. You know what the word reprove means? It means to convict, it means to bear down, it means to point out, it means to prick. It means to tell you what's wrong. He'll reprove, he'll convict the world of sin. And that's what we need tonight. We never help a boy till he realizes he's a sinner. Never help a girl. We've had people come in, so many of them say, nothing wrong with me. I said, what were you doing in jail? Well, I just ran away from home. I just wanted to be free. Where'd you go? Well, I just uh, took some dope and smoked cigarettes and lived in the park. and I lived with the hippies and I lived... Uh, just the way I wanted to live. Nothing wrong with me. They need to be convicted of sin. And may God convict us of sin. I knelt this morning about 1 o'clock by the side of my bed and began to think about the Scripture, and he did exactly that. Let me tell you something. Before you ever get converted, you've got to get convicted. Until sin becomes hideous, Jesus will never become wonderful. As long as you can laugh at sin and talk about your sin, and you girls go back here and get in your room and close the door, and you begin to rehearse all the evil happenings of the past, I doubt if you've ever been saved. I mean, when you refer to some of your sinful experiences with a, with a smile instead of a tear, I doubt if you've ever been saved. And when an old drunkard begins to say, boy, listen, I remember that night in a nightclub, and I got drunk, and... I broke out every window and run everything outside, and I was having a time, and he laughed about it. I doubt if he's been saved. When you can reminisce over your sinful dealings and lives and not with a broken heart, I doubt if you've ever been saved. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, when he convicts you of sin and you get saved, you'll stay convicted of sin. You'll never get back in sin without being convicted just like that. Your conscience will burn and sting, and you'll not go to bed and rest real easy without saying, Lord, forgive me. Oh, forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt you, dear Jesus, tonight or today. I want you to forgive. When he reproves you of sin and convicts you of sin, you'll stay convicted of sin. Men and women, I say the same thing to you. When you can live in sin and never have any compunction with conscience, you've never been saved. You convict the world of sin. What kind of sin? What's the worst sin in the world? Is it liquor drinking? Nope. Dope taking? No, sir. Lying, stealing? No, sir. Let's see what he said. He'll reprove the world of sin, of sin, because they what? Believe not on me. The biggest sin you'll ever commit is not believing on Jesus. That's the daddy sin of all the rest. You know why people smoke? They're not satisfied with Jesus. You know why people drink? They're not satisfied with Jesus. You know why people turn to the world for satisfaction? They're not satisfied with Jesus. When when he becomes your all and in all, then you won't have to have all that stuff anymore not at all, of sin, because they believe not on me. Oh, the sin of unbelief. There's only one sin that will cause you to be doomed forever, and that's the sin of unbelief. That keeps Jesus from coming in. That locks the door in his face and sends him away without providing entrance of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, let's go back. He'll reprove the world of sin. He'll make you realize that sin is sin. He didn't say sins, did he? He said sin. The one sin that'll cause you to be lost forever is the sin of unbelief. Now, don't worry about your sins. And sometimes you think, the way I preach, that if you just give up your sins, you'll go to heaven. No, sir. Did you know what you could do if you were to give up every sin in your life, everything you've ever done, and never sin again, and you lived 177 years, and you lived and did good deeds every day, did you know you'd go to hell when you died? I said, if that were possible, of course, you couldn't live without sin, what would you do about the past? Now, if you go to the book of John, First John Chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 9, he gives us some words. He said, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we confess our sins, my sins, my sins, I have to confess my sins to him. I wish I didn't, but I do. But he said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all AAA. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar program with Lester Roloff.